This is Michael Zuber, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to my One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that I took the time to document the entire process I used to learn my market and actually still use today? I released it as a $199 online course via Teachable, and it is called How to Get Started One Rental at a Time. With that, you get access to my private Facebook group and can join our group mentoring calls every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. Hey, everyone. I have an exciting show for you today. I have an investor entrepreneur that uh, I think is going to knock your socks off today. Uh, This young man is doing some amazing things, both in real estate and just building businesses. So let's welcome Cody Barton to the show. How you doing, man? Awesome. Awesome. Happy to be here, Michael. I appreciate it. So, uh, I always start with the same way, kind of introduce the one rental at a time uh, audience to who is Cody and uh, where do you fit in this big world of real estate and investing? Definitely. So uh, it's interesting because I, you know, as a teenager started reading Robert Kiyosaki's books, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, The Cash Flow Quadrant, you know, I just read through all of his books. Uh, and then, you know, for those that are familiar with Zig Ziglar, I listen to some of his audios. My parents went to a seminar and bought all these audios. And so I'm 16, 17 years old. And I'm like, I I always wanted to make money. And I, you know, I, my parents didn't have a lot of extra money that they could, you know, buy me a brand new car and, you know, things like that, that the school I went to, there's a lot of kids that their parents were able to do that. And I was like, I want to have a cool car. Like I want to be able to go on these trips that they can afford to go on. And so I'm just like, well, I have to just make money then. So um, I kind of started and, you know, just learning as much as I could about um, investing and being, you know, an entrepreneur. And so I, I ended up landing in, you know, in network marketing actually uh, at 17. And I had a run doing that for about four years and, you know, had early success where, you know, I was able to make, you know, six figures a year as a teenager. And it was incredible experience, um, but a very humbling one at the same time. Um, Cause you can imagine you give a 17, 18 year old, you know, a good amount of money coming in, you know, you, you think you're like the coolest thing since sliced bread. So, yeah. um, you know, after the best thing that ever happened to me was that entire thing fell apart when I was 21, 22 and it was it was horrible at the time you know my income disappeared overnight but what it did for me is it made me realize like how powerful residual income is because as you're you know if you are successful in network marketing it is type of a residual income and so um it made me you know have the yearn to create that again i'm like man like i gotta get this passive income but actually control it myself where it's not a company uh you know pushing my destiny into their hands, you know? So um, long story short, I, you know, became a real estate agent after I was, you know, uh, lost everything. There was that period of time I I had to move out of, you know, really not, I was living in like a 3000 square foot house at 21 and you know, brand new cars. And I, I was living way above, you know, I was basically spending everything that I was making and been there. there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So when it turned off, all the bills didn't turn off. And so I'm like, Oh my gosh. So I literally lost everything down to selling literally my bed set because of all the bad debts and, you know, breaking my lease where I was. And, so got into real estate from that point after a six months of, 
you know, feeling sorry for myself because um, I didn't, you know, identity was tied up in that. So got into real estate as an agent. I'm like, I want to flip homes. So I got my real estate license because I didn't know what else to do. So, uh, you know, I started as an agent, didn't have, you know, this breakout success my first year. You know, I sold, I think it was like 10 or 11 homes my first year. And then my second year got a lot more momentum, you know, paid for coaching and things like that. And so, um, you know, had a lot more success, you know, sold over 30 homes my second year. And at that point, I was like, why am I doing this? I got into real estate to flip homes and now I'm all I'm doing is helping people buy and sell their homes and I'm not buying any homes. <laughs> so, you know, at that point, I'm like, I got to do something different here. So at that point, I, you know, I started networking with other investors and, you know, I really started reading more about buying rental properties. And so, um, you know, how it kind of started with my, I guess, first rental was, um, it was an owner occupied uh, house for myself. I, I bought the house for myself to move into. And then I rented two rooms out to other friends. So I did the house hacking mm -hmm. model. And so my mortgage was paid by my friends that were living with me. So I'm like, wow, like, this is pretty Score. Cool. Yes. Yeah. So that was, that was kind of the, the gateway for me that made me realize like, wow, like rentals could be the the thing. I don't want to rent to my friends because it, you know, has its own challenges, but that was a really cool experience just being able to see that, wow, like I can, you know, actually make money with this. So yeah. <laughs> and yeah. consistently. That's pretty amazing. So I just want to, I, I just want to hit a couple of themes and then we'll keep going on, on your story. So I'm always curious, when did you pick up that first rich dad, poor dad book, which is often the first one, were you like 15 or 16? Yeah, I was like 15. I was like 15. What um, makes you pick up a book on freaking money when you're 15? Because first off, congratulations. I don't think I would have, I don't think I would have been smart enough or even, I don't think I read books when I was 15. So, so what, what, what was it about that purple book? So the thing was, was that I just always wanted to make money. I, I, I didn't okay. like school. I didn't ah. like school at all. It wasn't for me. They, you know, the, the path that they wanted me to go down was, you know, get a job, but I'm yeah. like, I don't want to do that. And so I just wanted to figure out how to make, start making money. And so, okay. and it was really my, fr I had friends that their parents bought them brand new cars when they were, you know, a teenager and yeah. I was, and my parents weren't going to be able to do that. And, you know, I had friends that, you know, they could go on certain trips that I couldn't go on. Like I lived a great life growing up. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say that, mm -hmm. but it was primarily just that I, I wanted to be able to do the things that my friends were able to do, but I just had to go figure it out on my own. So yep. I started, you know, uh, and it was my parents. I, you know, thank them for this. They encouraged me to read those books because okay. what I did when I was 15 was I found a way to make some money on the side where I, um, I mean, years ago, these were popular, but like the power balance bracelets where it's like, oh, it'll make you stronger and yeah, like better. I remember. And better yeah. So I found a company in China that was supplying them and I've started buying their overstock supply when I was 15 and I would buy them for a dollar a band and go and sell them for $20 a band on Craigslist and on different marketplaces. So I started making money. And I was like, wow, like this, I can make my own money. And then that's when my parents were like, you're, you really are, you know, really curious about making money. And my dad had started um, his own like carpet cleaning business. So, you know, he was like the solopreneur, like in the S quadrant, if yep. you look at the, you know, the rich dad uh, philosophy on that. And so 
I, they got me on that and then I got hooked. I just started reading. I read the compound effect. I read the slight edge. I, I read every single uh, book by Robert Kiyosaki that was created and just went down the rabbit hole from there. Yeah, me too. Me too. So then you, uh, then you uh, branch out, you do this uh, network marketing thing, you have success and yep. then you get, uh, I'll, I'll call it cocky. You may call it something else. Yes. You get a little full of yourself yes, and uh, sure. car- karma kicks you in the nuts. Right. For sure. For <laughs> sure. And honestly, I wouldn't be able to be the business owner that I am today without that experience because yeah. I just thought, cause everything I was doing was working, you know, it's like, you can start to, you know, grow <laughs> a little bit of an ego when it's like, everything is working and, and, and in network marketing too, I was put on a stage and like celebrated constantly everywhere I was going. So it just, yeah. you know, inflates your ego. Um, and then when it all got deflated and fell apart, it was such a huge learning lesson, but you know, it, it brought humility into everything else that I'm doing. And I don't get full of myself because I know I'm, I'm, you're usually never as good as you think you are, but you're also never as bad as you think you may be either. You're kind of yeah. usually somewhere in the middle. And so it's kind of developing a, a healthy appreciation for, you know, for my work ethic and desire, but also, you know, humility in that, you know, it's not all me, it's people around me. It's, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, mentors and mistakes that help, you know, shape yeah. me. And the beauty is, at least it was for me, and I'm sure it's going to be for you, you'll be able to hold on to that for the next 50 years. So I had a similar yes. story. It wasn't network marketing, but I turned seven grand into almost 200 grand in the stock market. I remember thinking I was the next Warren Buffett you know, I, everything I touch turns to gold. I can't make mistakes, all that stuff. So then, you know, in a matter of a couple of weeks, it went from 198 to 40 grand. Uh, uh, so yeah, I, I remember. So for me, it's funny how we did the same experience. I walk into a bookstore and I see the purple book and I'm like, I like the title. I like purple shit. I give it a shot, right? I'll read it. What the hell? And yeah. it was, it was life-changing, but you're right. It's, it's, uh, you know, 20 years later, I still hold on to that humility I won't get too full of myself. Uh, I know it can all go away. Yes. Never think you're the best. Just, no. just keep moving forward and keep, you know, just keep trying to be better every day. And it's amazing. Yes. What happens. I think it's like, as you stay a student, it, it never allows you to think that you are, you know, too cool for school. It's mm-hmm. like you, you stay a student and you stay learning and you stay just trying to be better every day. And, you know, I found that definitely has helped keep, me having a, a really good attitude towards everything and, you know, yeah. not take things too seriously and, you know, not, uh, not get too full of myself if things are going well or not beat myself up when things aren't. <laughs> yeah. So then you get into real estate, you get your, so you want to flip, but you get your real estate license. Then you are an open house guy, you sell yeah. 10 or 11 and then you sell 30 and then you go, Hey, whatever happened to my flipping dream? Yeah. Right. And then you house hack. Um, so that's where we are in your story now. What, yeah. what year is this? Is like 2018-ish, 16-ish? Where are we in this story right now? This is like, so five years. This is like 2015, 2016. Okay. And yeah. you're in Arizona at this point? Yes. Okay. Yes. So this is so, Arizona the whole time or did you bounce around the country? Arizona the whole time. Okay. So you're in Arizona. You house hack in 2015. Good time to buy. Arizona's seen some appreciation. So yes. where does your journey go from there? Do you go, do you house hack again after a year or what happens next? Yeah. So, um, I actually had a a blip of a mistake on, on the radar. Um, after about a year, um, there is a investment company out of Texas that was trying to recruit me to go, you know, manage, um, you know, their private money, uh, kind of department. So I go through this phase of, you know, 
about to go out to Texas. I sell my house. It's like something, it's like this upper limiting thing that I like sabotage myself on this experience. But so I go out to Texas, find out this company is doing a lot of things that I don't agree with as far as like things that, you know, in the gray. Yeah. And so I'm like, I backed out of doing that because I'm like, I don't agree with the way that this business is running. And so once I got into like really seeing what was going on. And so I had sold my house. I, um, you know, I had some of that cash now from, you know, selling it, which I wish I never sold it, but Hey, you live in New York, right? So yeah, I, I bought another house, you know, did the house hacking, you know, um, that, that year again. And then, you know, the next year bought another house, did the house hacking again. Um, so that time you didn't sell though, you, you house hacked the first one, then you uh, upgraded and moved on to another one. Did that first house stay house hacking or did you do month to month with one family or what happened to that first one? Yeah. Great question. So I, I had my, um, my friends that were my roommates that I rented to there, I had them move out. And then what I did is I just found a family that, you know, to lease it from me directly. Um, yeah, I've seen that be pretty common and probably what I would recommend. House hacking is one thing when you're in one of the bedrooms. It's probably a different thing when you're not in one of the bedrooms. It'd be my yes. guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like managing like multiple people, different relationships in one house. Like I'm like, that's not really like. I'm and you're often the glue, right? You may have three friends that they're your friends, but they may, they may not even like each other. Yes. And I, and I found that, you know, when I would rent a couple rooms out, you know, they would get in disagreements and they'd come to me like I'm dad. I'm like, I'm not dad. You just rent from me. You guys have a problem. You guys got to handle it. Work it out, big boy. (laughs) That's amazing. That's amazing. So, okay. So where does this entrepreneur thing kick back in and you start, uh, you start being a part of, or even creating companies? Cause you, you've, you've, uh, you just got a spirit about you that is something that uh, frankly I wish I had. So let's let's talk about that. Yeah, so I you know really what happened was around the time when I bought, you know, that second house, I I met an investor thankfully from network marketing. Um his son was in the company um, on my team and so I ended up meeting his dad that you know the guy owns about 30 properties, almost all of them are free and clear. Mm. Um and he's in his 40s. And so oh, wow. I'm like, wow like, pretty freaking cool. And so I started building a relationship with him and, you know, he just, it it just blew my mind. I'm like, wow, like the lifestyle, like just seeing the way his family was able to live. Like he was involved in everything his kids were doing. He had so much freedom. They went on him and his wife went on vacation, like every other month, like, you know, he was still fixing flipping and, you know, but he didn't have to, it was just kind of like, you know, great projects are easy for him to do. He does, you know, so kind of seen that I'm like I want to live a life like that one day I want to get me some of that that's good stuff yeah yeah yeah, that's the good stuff and so I um I'm like how can I bring value to you and he's like well he's like in fix and flips there's only a few things that happen you have you either have the money to fund the deal you have the deal or you have the management of the deal he's like that's the three things you either have and I'm like well I don't have the money I don't know how to manage a fix and flip but I can I'll go find a deal and so I found a deal for, for him to flip. And I was just, I told him like, Hey, like I want to make money on it. You know, if I make a a smaller percentage, I don't really mind. I just want to bring the deal to you and be able to watch the fix and flip process happen. See how you manage it, see how the crews run, see your thought process and things that you're doing on the renovation. And so that's really um, where it really started ramping up. And I think that was 2016, 2017 at that point, um, when I brought that first deal and then I'm like, wow, like 
light bulb went on because just seeing how he was hands off, like he was hanging out at home. He was like going to Mexico to Rocky Point, hanging out with his family and his crews over here, you know, banging away on this project. And I'm like, this is freaking cool, uh, you know, having that freedom. And so yeah. that's when, you know, I, I fully went in and focused on wholesaling real estate um, from that point, figuring out how to market and find deals. And um, from, from there, you know, wholesaling, to then I wasn't confident enough to fix and flip because it managed myself. So I would still bring deals to that same investor. His name mm -hmm. is Frank. So um, after about a year of doing that, I had gotten, you know, a good amount of wholesale deals under my belt, kind of had a good over uh, a good understanding on everything. And um, that's when Pace and I met um, at that point. And that's when everything really just started. Like it's literally, have you read the book Rocket Fuel? I have. Yep. You have? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So for anyone that hasn't read Rocket Fuel, it's such a great book um, because it helps you understand who you are and be unapologetically yourself. Um, because up until that point, you know, everyone wants to be the hero, right? It's like, mm -hmm. I'm the closer. I'm, you know, I close all the deals and, you know, I'm the sales guy. And so, um, you know, reading that book, it really helps me realize like I'm an integrator. I'm, I'm the glue that holds yeah. all of our businesses together. I make sure you know, things are running on time and making sure that we're profitable and making sure we aren't buying bad deals and, you know, putting systems in place. And mm -hmm. so um, that allow, and then Pace is total visionary, right? Yeah. So uh, <laughs> no question, so, yeah, no question at all. He's a squirrel. I always, I'm always telling him like, Pace, you're such a squirrel. Like you just, <laughs> like you just run from all thank, over the Thank God he keeps finding all those nuts out there. He's pretty good at he it. <laughs> And it's like, he, you know, he'll go, you know, find 10 nuts and bring them back to me. And I'm like, well, these seven nuts are bad. So we should not do anything with those, but, but these, I'll take those three. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty much our relationship. That's and awesome. <laughs> so let's, so I want to just make sure everybody realizes the evolution. So you were a uh, network marketer goes bust house hack, yeah. go to Texas, check <laughs> your conscious, come back agent still. So i just want to make sure. So when you flip, when you make the flip to finding deals for Frank, Yes. Are you still doing 30 homes as a realtor or did that kind of tail off? Tailed off. I, I totally, I, once I started doing that, I like turned off my, okay. um, my active marketing for real estate listings and buyers. I would still do referral deals because sure. there's, you know, layups, but I would, I didn't want to do that. I'm like, I, I if I continue down this path, I'm going to never do yeah. what I actually want to do. So and that's an um, important point. Cause not everybody gets that right. The thing I'm trying to help people understand is you only have so much time. Yes. Money is replaceable. Yes. Right? It may be hard to say, you may not feel like it is, but it is time. Yes. You can't get back. Yes. So a lot of you, a lot of people I talk to, again, the people that really resonates with one rental at a time, they're the full-time employees. That's cause that's yes. who I was. Yes. And we don't have a lot of time especially if you mm -hmm. have a family, which we didn't have a lot of time. Yeah. So again, that's why I'm big on, you know, 10 to 20 minutes a day. Just give me 10 to 20 minutes, learn your mark, and then move on with the rest of your day. You got 23 and a half hours to do everything else. Yes. Um, but I love how you, I mean, cause you had the time you could have in theory told yourself, I'm going to wholesale four hours a day and be a real estate agent for you could have. Yes. But you would have not been very good at either job. No, it would have been splitting myself. I would have spread myself too thin. I wouldn't have served clients really well. And then I wouldn't have been able to get traction. I mean, it takes a lot to get traction going in your wholesale business. Yeah, no kidding. Well, let's just hit that. So once you make the deal, like, so getting that first deal for Frank, how much time and how much money, uh, maybe it was zero, I don't know, but how much money did you invest, if any, 
And how much time did it take to get that first deal for Frank? Zero dollars invested of my own money in that deal. Um, but it was- Even in marketing, you were just cold calling or door, driving for dollars? Knocked. Oh, there you go. Okay. So literally yeah. zero. Okay. Yes. So I, I went and door knocked pre foreclosures and I did it for about a month and a half, um, helping okay. him source, you know, a deal and finally got a lady that, you know, was ready. And I'm, I'm not a sales guy, so I'm not the, you know, if like with Pace and I, if we both talk to the same 10 sellers, he'll close <laughs> seven or eight out of 10. I'll close like three of them. <laughs> yeah. I would month. get that. Yeah. But I'm consistent. I'm super consistent. So that's where I, you know, I do well is like, I'll, I'll pound the pavement. I'm yeah. not going to be the best one out the door, but I'll hit the most doors. It's yeah. That you and I are the same way. I'm, I'm just a hammer, right? Yes. I just, yes. I, that's I, exactly the best way to say it. Just a hammer. I'll just, keep hammering. Yeah. I just, I don't stop. Right. That's just what I do. Yeah. It's, it's pretty amazing. So yeah. we're, we're kind of the same way. So that's awesome. So, okay. So now, uh, so let's, let's, uh, let's look at 2020. 2020 has been a, a tough year for lots of people. What a year. Uh, what a year, right? Uh, but I loved how we, before we hit record, you were very positive, energetic. I just love positive people. So if you were to look at 2020 for Cody, mm -hmm. you know, let, let's talk about what 2020 really was because we're what, 14 days away from be, it being over. So what, what's 2020 for Cody? Yeah, so, so 2020 was a, was a great year. A lot of different things uh, happened. Uh, at the beginning of this year, Pace and I sat down and we're like, you know what, let's just focus on two businesses. We're going to focus on our wholesale business and our fix and flip business. And then uh, rather than also acquiring rentals still, because that's, you know, a business of its own. So um, we're focusing on those few things. And, you know, Pace, again, being a visionary, just goes and finds these nuts and I'm like, man, that's a good opportunity. Let's do that. So, you know, throughout this year, we went from, you know, having our rentals, doing wholesale deals, doing fix and flips to we now uh, have a virtual assistant, you know, staffing company in the Philippines with hundreds of employees. That's, you know, it's a, a seven figure of your business. We know when that started this year inspired by COVID because most people are going to start being more virtual, right? Mm -hmm. So we started that business. We bought, you know, a title company here in Phoenix as well. Um, wow. You know, we're, we're expanding our operations, built a media team to really go um, big on, you know, social media and, you know, YouTube and all that. So we started a lot of different um, fun and exciting projects and we're bringing a lot of people around us to, you know, um, help us, you know, grow this, grow this vision together. So, you know, it's been a great year and it was interesting because in March, so we actually, once COVID hit, we stopped all of our ad spend on our marketing because we were not sure what to do. We, yeah. So we stopped for a month and just turned it off because we were like, yeah. what's happen? You know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I started worrying about our rentals. I'm like, yeah, me too. You know, are my tenants going to lose their job? Like, what's going to happen here? So yeah. um, they caused, you know, many panic for about, Pace wasn't worried. Pace is like just non-worrier. I'm the worrier. <laughs> So I get that. Yeah. So, um, you know, after about a month, things kind of normal start, start being normal again, as far as in, in the market here uh, in Arizona. So we went full steam ahead and, you know, we've had a, a great year, you know, we'll very cool wholesale, you know, hundred, hundred plus properties, you know, you know, keeping our pipeline full of fix and flips as of right now, you know, 14, 15 flips going on at a time. And wow. we're still buying uh, you know, rental, um, pace buys, you know, some on his own too, just cause he, you know, he's making 
great money from some of his other investments too. So he has to keep buying at a faster rate. So, you know, but me and him together buying, you know, about a rental um, a week or every other week right now, Wow. Um, creatively, you know, no bank loans, but sure. creatively. So, yeah. you know, that's, so we're rolling, rolling full steam ahead into 2021. There you go. Well, that's why I want to close this episode. So before we talk about 2021 and what's the future, let's not forget, how do people follow you, Cody, maybe follow what you and Pace are doing? Where do you want them to go? Yeah. So the, the two best places I would say for that would be to uh, follow me on YouTube. I'm really, you know, investing and in bringing a lot of value on YouTube. Um, so you can just search Cody Barton on YouTube, um, on my Instagram as well as where I do stay more active, Cody Barton official on, on Instagram. Um, those are the two best places where I'm putting out the most content for sure. Very cool. Well, let's talk about 2021. You know, we're 14 days away. A lot of people think about next year, kind of like right now. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see, how do I want to ask this? You obviously have your business goals so we can hit that, but I want to know, and you can do this last or first, it's totally your call. What's a mm -hmm. goal for Cody? What's, a, what's an aspirational goal for Cody next year? So any so, order you want. Yeah, so I would say aspirational goal for Cody is, uh, I, wrote, I was writing down some intentions um, over this last weekend, I'm like, you know, what do I intentionally want to focus on more in 2021? And so the intentions that I wrote down are, you know, feelings to feel more of more frequently. And that's, you know, feel more happiness, feel more joy, feel more peace in my life. So those are like three intentions because, you know, businesses are going to continue to happen. We're going to create new businesses, going to grow the businesses. There's going to be problems and, you know, things that we have to overcome. So I, I want to focus more on, uh, on Cody and, you know, the thing in between here, because at a certain point, I'm sure, you know, you could agree that as you're growing in business and, you know, things are happening more like you start to just, you kind of start to know what you're doing. You got to stay a student of the game to, you know, stay up to date. But most of the challenges as you're growing uh, at scale are the things going on between your head. It's the anxieties. I mean, you know, anxiety, the challenge, you know, the battles with, you know, uh, you know, depression at times and different yeah. things that come up that people don't talk about a lot. And so um, I, I really want to focus more on that. And, you know, I want to be able to be a light for other entrepreneurs and, you know, business owners that, um, you know, because everything is so much about like flash and like, you know, everyone's per, you know, it's Instagram, everyone's perfect and everyone's right. lives going perfect and they aren't going perfect. There's things that are going on. And so um, that's one of the things I really want to do is just focus on, you know, I, I am happy, but focus on being happy for longer periods of time and, you know, feeling more peace and joy and being able to help other people feel that more too, instead of just like this constant stress and anxiety of like getting the next deal or um, figuring out, you know, how to hold, hold their pieces together. Yeah. Well, I just want to give you a little piece of advice for somebody that's a couple of decades older with, than you and really is frankly in the same spot now, which is embarrassing to me. Congratulations to you. Most of that being happier, longer, chasing joy is actually going to be about the decisions you decide not to do in 2021. Because I promise you, there will be, again, back to the analogy, there'll be three or four nuts that pace brings you, or maybe you find yourself that would be good, but they would detract from joy or happiness. Maybe the overhead or the lift or the just whatever it is. And at least for me as a 20 year old, that would have been tough to say no to. But if, if joy and happiness and intentions are the things that you chase, you're going to have one or two decisions next year 
that your head is going to tell you you want to do, but your heart is going to say no. Listen to your heart. I like that. I like that a lot. You know, that's one. I really appreciate that feedback. And one of the things that I always like doing, like the most enjoyable conversations that I have are, you know, with people like you, Michael, that have the years of experience and um, in business and, you know, in life in general, and, you know, being able to understand like what you would do differently. And so I know that interviews with me, but I want to ask you this, you know, if you could go back into your twenties, I mean, what would you say, would be uh, a couple things that you would do differently. Obviously it's hard to say, cause it's like, you know, it makes you into what you are today. Right. Sure, but yeah. you know, you could look back, you know, what would be like one or two things that you would have maybe done differently. It could, you know, whether it's business or just yeah. happiness or joy or whatever. Yeah. So the, there's a couple of things I, if I, if I could have a do over, I would definitely do first mm-hmm. and foremost, um, how I was raised. This is a, this was a quote from my mom that stuck in my head, go to school, get a good job, make a lot of money, buy nice things. I mean, I, I heard that going to grade school every day, yeah. every day. And she's like, yeah. have a good day at school, son, blah, 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 blah. So that's what I did for my twenties. I, I was quote unquote successful. I was making a hundred grand a year by the time I was 26 or 27. No one did that in my family. I'm the only college graduate, only MBA graduate in my family. Um, so I was successful at 27 and I blew it. I spent it all. So first thing I would do differently is I would, I would learn to live below my means. It's called lifestyle creep and you suffered it early, right? You got the BMW to 3000 square been there, right? Check did that too, but that's a, that's a mistake. And I spend a lot of time trying to tell people, Hey, that's the rat race. When it gets you, it, it gets you right. And you, and you want to talk about financial freedom. It's not with lifestyle creep, right? It's living below your means. So that's the first one. The second one was raising our daughter. Uh, one of the things that I think I made a mistake on, and again, it, 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 she's fine now, she's happy, she's content, but I just feel like I missed an opportunity. I grew up poor. Uh, the big thing for me, for her, was that she wouldn't feel poor. But I never introduced her to what Olivia, who's my wife and I, were doing, trying to build this real estate portfolio, sacrifice, live below our means. We yeah. never really talked money with her. Mm-hmm. And that was a mistake. Big thing I'm talking about now is I'm trying to put stuff out there where people talk about money. Just, I mean, your kids- Make it not taboo. Yeah, your kids see it, right? Like I remember, I can still close my eyes and walk, remember walking around the, the kitchen doorway and seeing my mom in a small kitchen table with paperwork everywhere. I'm sure they were bills and I'm sure most of them weren't getting paid. Yeah. But, I mean, I remember those things. And Teresa probably doesn't have any of those memories. We hid it all from her, right? She got most of her, she got all her needs. She got most of her wants. But she never saw that Olivia and I were sacrificing, right? We started, yeah. we, we, by the, when she was, so let's see, I was 30. So she was eight or nine, I think at the time. So she was, um, we were spending a hundred percent of my income at the time, our income, because Olivia worked by the time she, four years later, we were spending 50%. She probably never saw a difference. I mean, yeah. maybe the cars were older, but I don't think she really recognized it, but yeah. that was intentional. So I think you got to talk to your kids about money more. And then lastly, um, I don't like people thinking about price. And what I mean by price is you have to think about time. So this is a big thing for me. So like you and three of your buddies walk into a store and you all have to buy the same tuxedo for your buddy's wedding. You all have Mm -hmm. to. One of you makes 50 grand, one makes 100 grand, one makes 200 grand. Most people think the person that makes 200 grand, it's easy. They just slap down the credit card and buy the thing. But like we talked about earlier, if you have let your spending increase to your lifestyle, 
yeah. it's probably the person that makes 50 grand that's probably in a better spot or at least has a chance to be yeah. because they haven't allowed their rat race to eat them alive. <laughs> and yeah. um, so I want people thinking time, right? And time is discretionary. You make a certain amount of money, half that is going to bills, the other half is savings, good. When I was growing up, 98% went to bills and like 2% were discretionary. That's too close to the razor edge and, and we suffered for it. So those are things that I'm really working on and really trying to help people. And then finally, one rental at a time works, 20 minutes a day, get a little bit better every day, stop being distracted by all the shiny objects, just get to four, it's okay. Um, so those are all the things that are important to me. I love that. I love that. And, and I think, you know, that, that topic of, you know, lifestyle creep, people don't understand it. I see it so much with my friends because, you know, mid twenties, I'm 26. I have a lot of other friends that are entrepreneurs that are very successful. And I've watched as their income goes up, they just spend, they're spending more and more. They, they're spending as much as they're, you know, as it's increasing. And I've, I made, the decision for myself, just because of that painful experience of losing everything I've, you know, I keep my, my necessities. I only pay myself 20% of my income awesome. to go towards necessities. So it's like, even if everything went to, you know, crap, it's like, I put myself in a spot where I'm not going to, things aren't going to get tight overnight. You know, yeah. there's going to be a very, you know, a long period of time before that happens. And I think, you know, especially in such a, even though we are in a weird time in the world, the economy has, you know, been pretty great. If you, you know, have been doing the right things, you know, sure. a lot of people are making a lot of money, but it's like, what are, you know, what are people doing with that? And it won't always stay this way either. So I'm not too naive to think yeah. that either. Yeah. Cody, I hate to tell you this. You're probably going to have four or five recessions in your lifetime. I'm just, I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> They're coming. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I wish you all the best. You're such an impressive young man. I'm, I look forward to watching you grow and succeed. Uh, come back anytime you want, man. Have a great day. Awesome. You as well. Thanks Thank so much. You got it.